standing, if you will, as we sing together all hail the power of Jesus' name. Join in singing, if you will.
join me as we go to our Savior in prayer. Father, we come with a spirit of gratitude and thanksgiving within our heart. We come to praise and to glorify your name and to worship you in spirit and in truth. Father, you are holy, you are righteous, you are the almighty God. We give you praise and thanks for who you are and your holiness. We pray, Father, that today that our hearts might be quickened and stirred. We pray for our pastor as he shares the word with us today. Thank you for every person that has gathered here this morning. And no doubt, Lord, there are special needs with each one of us. A lot of illness throughout our country, Lord, and we just lift those that are less fortunate today. Pray that your hand would be upon them. This morning, Father, there are those within our fellowship here that have special burdens on their hearts. And I pray, dear God, that they may be able to lay those burdens at your feet this morning and leave this place renewed and rejoicing. We pray, Father, for those that do not know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. May this be the day they'll come to know you. We pray for the ministry of Broadway Baptist Church in this area. We pray, God, that you would use us to accomplish your intended purpose. May your Holy Spirit have freedom to work. In Jesus' precious name, amen. sing that together.
lightning, heard it in the thunder, and felt it in the rain. My Lord is near me all the time. My Lord is near me all the time. When the thunder shakes a mighty
we thank you for this grace that we've been singing about, grace that's greater than all our sins. We just thank you that we know you this morning and that we can communicate with you. We thank you for this uh, part of the service now when we can return a portion of that that you've entrusted into us. Bless each gift this morning, each giver in Jesus' name. Amen. it is to come to you once again and remind you that February the 2nd and 3rd, 2018, it will be time for the Johnny Hunt Men's Conference. This year, our theme is unspoken, what men will not talk about. Question needs to be paused, what will they not talk about? Often there's things that have been hurtful in the past, maybe still very painful in the present. And it's really difficult to get men to open up, but this year, my approach is going to be why we won't talk about those things, and I'm gonna really try to help you to see the benefit of talking about those things 
that are so painful and to things that maybe have troubled us in our life. I'm going to talk a good bit about why men need male friends. And it's powerful what God has placed in my heart. So let me encourage you, invite a friend. I know of nothing that's easier to get men to attend than a men's conference. And you know that each year when we gather, thousands will be there with us. Whether many choose to simulcast this in their own church or join us on the Woodstock campus, you just put aside the date, February the 2nd and 3rd, and you plan to be with us on that Friday evening and Saturday morning. Or go to my website, johnnyhuntmensconference.com and go ahead and register today or find out more information about our exciting weekend. I can hardly wait to welcome you this year. We actually have another video. Hey, I'm Daniel Osmond, and you know, this past, um, past month, we've been going through something called Stories, and I'm out here on Pike Road, and I want to tell you the story of this section right here where I'm at. I don't know if you can see it. There's a Zaxby's right here, and there's a home here at 410, but there used to be a house right here. It was 408 Pike Road, but it's no longer here. It's been torn down. It's now part of the Zaxby's parking lot, and the reason I share this is because on March 20th, 1952, this is the location that Broadway began. We met, we were a, a church plant started by Porter Memorial Baptist Church. They wanted to start a church here on Broadway. And we met in the basement of the home of a lady named Miss um, Roxy Short. 25 people were, was the very first meeting there in the basement. And I was hoping to catch the, um, see if the house is still here, but of course it's gone. But everything has a beginning. Where I'm standing, literally right here, this is Broadway's beginning. So I wanted to share that. Uh, today we're gonna, in church, we're going to be talking about the prodigal son. It's uh, in many ways of all stories, it's the most famous story. But you know, I think about it. Uh, 66 years ago, they met right here at this location. They probably had no idea that these 25 folks that met here in 1952, that 66 years later, they would have a vibrant church still continuing to do ministry right here in Lexington. So it just shows when God begins a new work and begins a work in you, he certainly does certainly continue. But this is, this is our home right here. This is the, what, where Broadway started, right here on Pike Road. I don't know if you could hear me from the jazz music in the background, but We've been going through stories, and I want to tell you the quick history, and we'll talk about the men's conference here, give you an update on that. Our church was started. You know, everything has a beginning. Our church was started. You go down the road, and there's a Zaxby's here on Broadway, right there on the left. There used to be a house there, Miss Rox, Roxy Short. 25 people started our church on March 20th, 1952. It was a church plant from Porter Memorial Baptist Church. I guess that was the Boomtown area of Lexington in 1952. So there was a house right there. It's actually where the drive-through is right there at Zaxby's. There was a house there, 408 Pike Road, and a group of 25 folks met in the basement of Miss Roxy Short's house, and that was the very beginning of Broadway. That was 66 years ago next month. And the story is they probably had no idea that you fast forward, what they were beginning 25 years ago in the basement of a house was the beginning of a church that 66 years later would be here. Do we have any charter members that were there? Okay, so we do. All right, we have one charter member. You know, when you're a charter member, you get a pew with your name on it. I've always told Sherry, say, one day I'm going to have my name engraved on a pew. That way it's my sister said, that's my pew. Front and center. But it is. That was, that's the beginning. It just, and we're going to see that. We're going to be looking at today the greatest story Jesus ever told, which is the story of the prodigal son. Go ahead and turn your Bibles there, Luke 15, while I share about the men's conference. The uh, men's conference. Men, I want to invite you all to this. Friday night, Saturday morning. If you don't have any plans this weekend, Kevin Dye, where, where is Kevin? Will you raise your hand? Where is Okay, well. I call folks out and they're not here. So Kevin, <laughs> Kevin's our chairman of Deacons, and he's cooking hamburgers Friday night at 6 o'clock. Man, I want you to come. We're having hamburgers, hot dogs. We hope to have a great turnout. Even if you cannot come to the whole thing, you can't stay to 10, or you can't even come on Saturday, you come to what you can come to. 
We're serving hot, uh, hamburgers, hot dogs at 6 o'clock. Have a great fellowship of guys Friday night. Then at 7 right here, it's live. We'll sit here and watch it on the simulcast. It's, uh, being, uh, it's, the show is down at First Baptist Woodstock, Georgia. Well, uh, you come to, it's going to go from 7 to 10 Friday night. Then it continues on Saturday morning from 8 to noon. Even if you just come an hour or two, that's a blessing. You come to what you came in. I want you all to come to this. It's something, this is our big event for all the guys, teenagers, any man in Lexington is welcome to come. We're charging $10. If you don't have $10, you still come anyway. All the $10 for will help offset the cost of the food as well as the, uh, the fee we have to pay for the simulcast. You sign up online, pay online, you pay when you show up, whenever you pay an offer and play. We want guys here. So that is Friday night um, that, with our simulcast with that. Also, uh, we had a tragedy here in our state. We're about to have a special time of prayer. Our wonderful governor, Matt Bevan, uh, called for a time of prayer today. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer. On Tuesday morning of this past week, I've never been to Marshall County, Kentucky, but there was a tragic school shooting right when school was beginning, and two young people lost their life. I mean, these are 15-year-old ninth graders. They're going to school there, and um, just, just tragic to see something like that happen here in our wonderful state. So our governor asked churches today to have a special time of prayer for that high school, Marshall County High School, the families that are grieving. This is the first Sunday after this tra- tragedy has occurred. So I want everybody to bow their head. I want to lead us in a time of prayer for Marshall County, Kentucky. Lord, we come to you th- this morning. Lord, after learning on Tuesday about the tragedy, uh, absolute horror that occurred on the other side of our state, Lord, we pray for this, especially these two families that... They dropped their little ninth grade children off, 15-year-olds, to go to school and just moments later are gunned down and killed. Lord, I just pray that we don't know why. We don't know the details. All we know is a senseless loss of life for a school shooting. Lord, I do pray that amidst this tragedy that, Lord, you do a great work. And, Lord, you uh, mend this community there in Marshall County together. Lord, we just pray for the churches there in Benton that they will reach out to the families. Lord, that young man who did this, I know he, he will be, if not executed, locked up for life. Lord, I just pray for his mom and dad as they're wondering why did this occur. Lord, we just pray for um, peace, for comfort, for your um, presence during this tragedy. And Lord, we uh, pray as a body of believers throughout this entire state of Kentucky that we will be diligent in lifting up these families there at Marshall County High School. And Lord, I pray for um, uh, your spirit to move amidst this tragedy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I do want you to open your Bibles to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 15. Every time you come to church, you always need to bring your Bible. This here is a story we've been going through, stories looking at different parables of Jesus. Everything has a beginning. Our beginning was right down the road. It's now every time you go to Zaxby's, you need to think this is where Broadway started. So, but of course, it, uh, a legacy doesn't uh, stay, in a, stay in a location. It certainly continues out. This story we're going to read here, of all the stories Jesus told, this is really his most important one. It's something that needs to be preached on at least once a year. People need to know this story. Uh, many of you have heard it before, and it, there's three characters in the story. There's a younger son, older son, and a father. I'm going to tell you what they, who they represent. The father represents God, and this man just runs out. He has two sons, and in many ways they're both wicked. Both bad sons, and the father's just constantly running out, chasing them down. And that's a picture of God. He goes after us. He loves us. His arms are open to whatever type of son you are. The youngest son is somebody, we're going to call him the dreamer. We're going to look at this. Have you ever met somebody that the grass is greener on the other side? They just, if only they lived in Louisville. If only they had a more beautiful wife or a better girlfriend or a better job or a better church. I mean, you just need to think bigger and better. That's the younger son. Why stay on the farm when you can live in the city? I mean, why, why save your money when you can spend it? I mean, there are folks who live this way. They're always, they have this dream of, I'm, someone's holding me back. And I just need to get what I'm entitled to and, and, and live life to the fullest. It's a dream for the younger son there. Then we're also going to see here what we call the older son. Anyway, I'm the, I relate to the older son. Many of you might relate to the older son. Older son, was, he describes himself as a slave, actually. 
The Bible describes, he even calls himself, he's never has disobeyed order. He is someone, he obeys his father. He, uh, he is a wise investor of the family resources. He is not wasteful. He's one of those guys that if he wastes a dime, he's mad about it. If he doesn't buy something on sale or have a coupon, he's upset. I mean, there is this, if, you, if he doesn't, he is a, a, you look at him and go, wow, he's got it together, but he has a problem with them. He refuses to forgive. And his forgiveness actually turns into bitterness. So we have one who's a dreamer. He's dreaming about the grasses. All, of course, always green on the other side. The other son's just bitter. He's mad at everybody. No, no one's fair. He's a slave. He viewed his relationship with his father of one as a, of a master-slave relationship with God, where he's a slave and he's just doing what the Lord wants him to do. Both of these sons, the bitter older son and the dreamer younger son, are sinners. They've both committed sins and they're both wrong. And the goal of this story is, you've, re- you've heard it so many times, and what Jesus is trying to say, remember this is a parable, so it represents something else. And in many ways, calling it the prodigal son isn't even the right name, because that only highlights one son. The word prodigal, and it's not really a 2018 word anymore, that means somebody who's wasteful, lavish, rec- reckless, extravagant. There's somebody just, they're going to do their own thing, they have their own plans. But that's only one of the sons. The other son is the older son, and he is somebody who is certainly relates to us who, who, can, who cannot forgive other people. He can't forget. I mean, this, he looks at people, he looks at his younger brother and thought, this guy just wasted his inheritance. How foolish is he? And he's going to pay, beat him down. I mean, that's how, you know, nobody gets forgiveness to come back in the house. We're going we're gonna to put you in your place. So we're going to see the story here of uh, this wonderful uh, parable that Jesus told. And the purpose of this is I want you to think, where am I? Both of these sons needed to do something. They needed to come home. Both of them. One ran away and the other stayed in the field and pouted. And God is calling them home. Just like He's calling you home. Whether you are a dreamer and you've been out doing your own thing or literally you've been sitting around you've become bitter and angry and upset and indignant about it. Both time and unforgiving, God is calling folks home. Luke chapter 15, verse 11 here. He also said, a man had two sons. This is really the name of the parable. The parable of the two sons, because it's both of them. The younger of them said to his dad, Father, give me my share of the, of the estate I have come in me. I mean, this dad was something else. Now, in Jewish t- terms, what happened is, if you had two sons, unfortunately, girls didn't receive anything, the oldest son received twice as much as all the others. So if you had two sons, what happened is, uh, you have your inheritance, the oldest son received 66.6%, and the youngest son received 33.3%. So that way, the oldest son received twice as much as the youngest son. So whatever it is, however many younger sons are, the oldest son, whatever they receive, the oldest is going to get double. So the youngest son is getting his one-third share. He's getting his one-third share and the father here is a generous dad. Goes ahead and gives him money. Says, here, here's, here's what you're going to get right here. What you're entitled to. So he distributed the assets to them. And what's interesting about this, the father, it says to them. So actually, the older son got his, but he's such a wise man. He just put it in the in Roth IRA and just didn't touch it there. The stock market's doing great. We're not going to mess with this. So it's really like he didn't receive anything. Because he's very wise with his money. Not many days later, you know, when you get your pile of cash, why sit out on the farm? Why stay out in rural Kentucky when you can go to the Lexington, the big city? Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. <clears throat> Then, uh, you know, in, in the big city, you know, it, when you have money, it's easy to make friends. So he's got all his friends right there with him. He's doing whatever he's wanting. He's living it up in the big city. Lots to do. The city never sleeps. So, after he had spent everything, he lost all his money. Verse 14, a severe famine struck the country, 
And he had nothing. When you're spending money quickly, you go to zero. So here we are at zero. And now we've got the famine. We didn't plan for that. So tough times have come. We didn't save this young guy. So in verse 15, it says, Then he went to work for one of the citizens of the country who sent him to the field to feed pigs. Now remember, this is a Jewish man. Pigs are an unclean animal, so we've really hit rock bottom. We're in the pig pen. We are relying up, we're, we're working all the way in the bottom. Always in the pig pen, you get a better view of your father's house. When you're at rock bottom, you're always looking up. So he realizes something there in the pig pen. Verse 16 says, He longed to fill, fill his, his, get his fill from the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. Even the pigs were eating better food than this young guy. When he came to his senses, and that's where repentance, some people, and some of you, you actually hit the, you have to go to rock bottom before you get saved. God has to bring you all the way down, then some more even, all the way to the ground. Then when you realize, maybe dad and mom's house, maybe their rules and their expectations, and what I learned at church and what the Bible says, maybe it wasn't so bad. Maybe they knew something. Well, that's what happened to this young guy. He came to his senses and thought, why am I down here? Why am I even living this way? So he comes to his senses in verse 17. How many of my father's hired workers have had more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. Even the, my father's hired guys are living lavish, lavishly compared to me. I'll get up, go to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. So he got up and went to his father. Now look at this. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. Y'all know what that meant? His dad was looking for him. He was looking at his field saying, you know, one day my son's going to come back because I know you can't live that way forever. It was not what he was taught here. So his father's looking for that younger son. There's a sense of one day he's going to come. It's like, a, it's like a mom or a dad praying for your child who's out of church this morning. You might know some folks that should be in these pews listening to the sermon, but they're not for whatever reason. They're a younger son, and they're doing whatever their own thing is. They're living, living, they're living a dream, a dream that's eventually going to end. And this father's waiting for him to come home. So what does the dad do? He sees him coming. And it says here, But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran. That's rare for Jewish men to do. He's running, threw his arms around his neck, and kissed him. It's the, you notice it's the other way around. The dad's the one that comes to him. He's just walking home thinking, you know, I'm going to apologize and maybe I'll get on working with the, with the guys with that dad employs. So it says here, he, he gets there, and the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven in your sight. I'm no longer be worthy called your son. He doesn't even finish what he had planned on saying. The father just cuts him off. He says, I don't need to hear it. You're here. I know your story. But the father told his servants, Quick, bring out the best robe and put on him, and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. You know, this guy had lost everything. He didn't have any shoes. He lost all his jewelry. He was probably wearing rags, and he's coming back in, in nothing. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it, and let's celebrate with the feast, because this son of mine was dead. This is salvation right now. He's dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Notice the father here. He's the one. He runs out in the field. He lavishly gives the man a robe, a ring, a fattened calf. A big party happens right there. Because this son who was once dead, that is where dreaming for the other side, thinking things are always better over there, lead folks. And he was at rock bottom. Listen, if you were here and you were in rock bottom in your life, you were spiritually dead. Dead. That's what the Bible's saying. And many times... I want to encourage you, you do not have to hit rock bottom before you come to your senses. But some people are hard-headed, they're stubborn, they think, I know what's best, and God will allow you to go all the way down and reach the ground before all of a sudden you get a, 
uh, God uh, gets a hold of you with that. Now, that's the first sign. The story doesn't end there. You would think, well, amen, preacher, that's a great story. Younger son, he came to his senses and he got saved. It's a picture of God welcoming home a prodigal. And we're to welcome home those who need to repent. Anybody who comes to the cross, anybody who comes to Jesus, we welcome in. They say, amen, Jesus saves. That's the message of the younger son. He was somebody who was a dreamer, who thought things were better, but they turned out they didn't. Now, meanwhile, there's another character we haven't talked about. Now, this, this represents me, this older son. This represents a lot of you. This represents the person that he's been by his dad's side the whole time. But he still has, he is just as sinful. And he's filled, and he is just as much need of repentance as the younger son. But what's interesting about this older son, and what's the scary thing about him, is he doesn't repent. We're about to see this. Now let's, let's look here. Keep following along your Bible. Now, verse 25. Now his older son was in the field. So he's out, of course. He's at work. He's on the clock. He does it. And this is faithful man. He doesn't make mistakes. He's a good guy. He's in the field and he comes near the house. He heard music and dancing. What's going on? We don't normally have parties at the house. So he summoned one of the servants, questioning what these things meant. Your brother is here, he told him. And your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Now, wouldn't that be great? Finally, my, my rebellious wild brother has come home, and he's back. Wouldn't you think the older brother would be excited about this? Not at all. He didn't like this guy. They were polar opposites. You couldn't even believe. Or do they have the same parents, these two sons? One is, one is righteous and loves his dad, is working hard. The other, where is he? We we know where you guys at. But he's back now. So in verse 28, look at what happens. So he became angry. And he didn't want, verse 28, he didn't want to go in. Now we're having a pity party out in the field. I refuse to go in. So look at this. I mean, this dad's the ultimate father. First son, we run out in the field to meet him. He's coming back. Now the second son, he's going to protest. I refuse to come in. I'm going to stand out here and I refuse. I will not come inside the house. So this old dad, he goes out in the field, it says here. So his father came out and pleaded with him. He runs out there to the oldest son, and he, re- he replied to his father. The, so he, the older son says, Look, I've been slaving many years for you, and I've never disobeyed your orders. Notice the relationship he's thinking his father. I'm a slave. Dad, you give me orders. I don't disobey. This is a very legalistic way of thinking about your relationship with the Lord. God's the master. I'm the slave. I don't disobey you. I mean, you, we're, we're, you, you give me my orders every day. I get my commands and I do it. I do what's expected of me. I've never disobeyed your orders, yet you've never given me a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. So, not even a calf, a goat's even lower than a calf, so I don't even get, I don't even get an animal. The truth is, he didn't want an animal. He had no interest in a goat or a calf. This older son, if he ever wanted that, he had all he could. But he saved his money. He wouldn't ever spend the money on a goat to begin with. The problem is, the father was able to forgive the younger son, but the older brother couldn't. He suffered from the sin of unforgiveness. He didn't want the guy to come home. He was actually glad he was gone. We need to get rid of him anyway. He didn't fit in with the culture here at the house and where dad's plan was going here on the family farm. He wasted all his money. The older son did not want his younger son saved. He was glad he was lost. Do you all see the picture here? If really the... This picture of an older son, it was not one of, I hope my brother turns to the Lord. I hope my brother repents and comes to his senses. 
He had an attitude as he deserves this. He brought this upon himself. But verse 30, it says, But when the son of yours, he doesn't even call him his brother. He, he hates him so much, he can't even say, When my younger brother, he says, Dad, when this son of yours, as if it's the father's fault that this is my son. When this son of yours, who has devoured your assets, look what the first thing he talks about, money. That's the problem right there. The older son loved money more than he loved offering forgiveness. All he could think is this man wasted one third of daddy's inheritance. Gone, down the tube, squandered. This son of yours devours your assets with prostitutes and, slaughtered the, you, and you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. Notice there's no repentance by this guy. Verse 31, son, he said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate. You know why he said everything I have is yours? Because the son already wasted all the other stuff. All they have left, we've given to the older son. So we're now sharing it. Older son and dad, we've lost, you've gotten the whole inheritance because we, we, the other guy didn't. It's down the drain. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead, meaning spiritually dead, and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The older son, church, does not repent. He has become bitter by how the father welcomed his son. He did not have compassion. He did not have forgiveness. He did not want to even see folks saved. He had an attitude, God, I'm entitled to this because I have been obedient to you, I have been slaving, and I have been faithful. We see huge contrast. He forgives or refuses forgive his brother, the older son, because why? The older brother, he ties on his money. He serves his father. He is faithful to what dad wants. He's not wasteful. He's done what his father asked of him. And why are, we're letting this guy in. You know, I think of a couple of stories to illustrate this. A year ago, I got a phone, an 859 area code, on my cell phone. And after about day two of getting the phone, I started getting phone calls from someone calling to want to speak to Aletha Jackson. And I explained to them, there's no Aletha Jackson here. You know, this is a news phone number, I'm Daniel Osmond, you need to change your records. And I suspect these people were in India calling me. They always came from a different cell phone number. About two days later, I got another phone call. May I speak to Aletha Jackson? Nope, wrong phone number, take me out of your system, no Aletha Jackson. Every two to three days, this past year, I have received phone calls wanting to speak to Aletha Jackson. And I've explained, and it always comes from a different number. So I've explained to these folks that call, I say, you know, you've called now 150 times, there's no Aletha Jackson, I don't know who she is, just you know, disconnect, take me out, uh, write me off your list, whatever I need to do, I, I'm not Aletha Jackson, I have no idea. So about a month ago I decided, you know, this isn't working. I mean, we're going one year now for Aletha Jackson phone because I'm sure some of this has happened to you. It doesn't matter what you say. They're not taking you out of the computer system. I mean, you're getting those phone calls. So I decide, the next time, this is about a month ago, this is about the beginning of December, I decide, I'm now going to be Aletha Jackson next time they call. Because apparently they don't listen to anything else. So they call, and it's early December. I mean, I knew the phone call was going, and they actually text me on the weekends for Aletha Jackson. I probably get a text when I get my phone back. And I get, I, I, so I call, but don't, even if you're Aletha Jackson, it still doesn't matter. I thought, what, on, they don't even tell me what they're calling about. I have no idea what Aletha Jackson has done. So I get a phone call, and they speak to, uh, uh, I speak to Aletha Jackson, and I said, yes, this is Aletha. How may I help you? So uh, I'm sure y'all have done this too. And they said, yes, and well, there was a pause there, because I guess it took a year for them to finally get Aletha Jackson, but she's on the line now. So I said, this is Aletha, how may I help you? And there was a pause, and then they said, well, Mr. Jackson, we need to let you know that your Ford Fusion warranty has expired, and it's time to renew. <laughs> One year of phone calls for a Ford warranty is what this was all about. One year, every three, four days I was getting this. And I told him, I said, I'm not interested in renewing. Just take me off your list. No, no, Ford, no Ford warranty for, uh, for anymore. I, I'm going to go a different direction on my warranty. And I thought that was going to end it. Well, then, literally, three days later, guess what? I mean, they don't. Three days later, they're calling back. And so then, 
About two weeks ago, I mean, I tell them, I, I'm now Letha Jackson when they call. I let them know I don't want the warranty. So two weeks ago, I said, I need to go to a new level. I'm now going to sell the car when they call. So they called two weeks ago. I told them, I've sold the car. I don't own that car anymore. No Ford warranty. You know what they said? They said, well, whatever new car you have, we'll sell you a warranty for that one. <laughs> oh, it gets better. So I thought, well, I, I don't want whatever warranty. We don't need anything. This is a true story. So this was two weeks ago. And they're still calling back. Even I only own a Ford, the Ford Fusion. The next time they call, I'm going to tell them that Aletha Jackson has gone to be with the Lord. <laughs> There's no more Aletha Jackson. That's it. Now, I share this with I really am. I mean, this is just where it goes. I'm still, I don't own the car. Aletha Jackson's passed away. She's with Jesus now. So, now I share this because many of us, these people in India, they have this dream that Aletha Jackson is going to renew that warranty and that she owned her Ford that she doesn't own and they're going to, they're going to sell me something. And you can't block them because they change the number every time. There's no possible way of getting around this. So I share this because this is, that's the younger son. There's this dream out there. Some of you are living this lie. The lie is one day, if I just go out there to the big city, I can do my own thing and God, I'm going to be happy. Just like a telemarker is not going to give up. That's the younger son's attitude. And some of you, are, and God is calling you home if that's how you're living. Some of you, to illustrate the older son, we do upward, um, in fact, the video we made, we do upward basketball, Benjamin Esther. In fact, that video went to Pike Road, that was right after upward yesterday. And um, we practice at Port Memorial Baptist on uh, Friday night. Friday night, Sherry does yoga, so I have the kids. That means I'm responsible for feeding them. That means right by Porter, there's McDonald's. So when we leave basketball, they're incentive for behaviors. We're going to go to McDonald's. So we go to McDonald's there. That's, if you ever ask children where they're going to go, every single child wants to go to McDonald's. Now, when Sherry and I are in our car, we have a vote for where we're going. We can go anywhere except McDonald's. Kids aren't allowed to vote for McDonald's. But Miss Sherry's not with us, so we go to McDonald's on Friday night. We go there, and we're in line. And um, there's a lady in front of us, and she's paying with cash. It's rare these days, but she was paying with cash. And she got back some change. And a dime and a, a nickel fell on the floor. And, you know, I've got four kids with me by myself. And money, and you know how, you know, a restaurant, money makes a lot of noise on the floor. Well, Benjamin's right there, and he sees the money. He picks it up, puts it in his pocket. <laughs> and the lady's standing right there and starts laughing. I said, buddy, that's stealing. That's not our money. You need to give that back. And she's just laughing. And she's like, oh, he can have it. I said, no, no, no. That, it, just, it fell out of, out of her hand. And he's got it in his pocket. I said, Benjamin, you need to give that back to her. And his answer was, I found it. <laughs> I said, no, you didn't find that. She dropped it and you saw it. And the lady's just dying laughing. And at the McDonald's there, they have like a Ronald McDonald House offering, a little bucket that you put your, you can put money in there. So she said, well, I was just going to put that in the offering a box right there for the Ronald McDonald House. I said, Benjamin, put that there in the offering tray so that, um, so that so I finally made him do that. But his attitude, I want to share, man, I'm going to be standing at this door to close the service. If you drop your wallet on the floor, I'm going to pick up and go, I found it. I share this because the attitude that he had was very similar in many ways to an older son attitude, a legalistic attitude. You lose something, I find it. Finders, keepers, loser, weepers. I mean, you lost, you lost, you dropped it, it's now mine. That is an older son legalistic entitlement attitude. I'm raising an old, Benjamin's going to be an older son right there. He's already, you already see it coming along. Now, both of these attitudes... Whether you're a dreamer, church, or you're someone who has become bitter because God is extending favor upon other people who you don't believe deserve it. They are sinful and wrong. And God is calling both of you, these types, a younger and an older son home. This morning, God's calling some of you home. Some of you are dreamers. You're waiting for something better. Something better is going to happen in your life. Some of you are bitter. That's not how things should have happened. It's not fair. 
You have a, and I tell you, I'm an older son. And it's easy. Unforgiveness destroys you inside. You have an attitude, I'll never talk to this person. I'm not going to forgive them. I won't forget. True forgiveness, when you forgive someone, you don't remember it. You forget about it. If you are bringing up the memories of being hurt over and over and over again, have you forgiven them? No. Every time you go through that again, you're remembering how you've been hurt. Both of these sons need to come home. And for us, what's great about this parable, what's so powerful about it, is God, He's the Father, He runs to both of the sons. He meets them out in the field. One's out there moping coming back, because he's finally come to his senses, and the other's out there protesting. He refuses to come back. And both of them near the Lord. And so we need to say this morning, we're about to have our invitation. And our invitation here is, wherever you're at, you either need to quit running like a younger son, or you need to quit standing away from God. Standing away from God is, if God is willing to extend forgiveness, if God is willing to offer His blessing and grace on folks, then you should too. If you've been forgiven, if Christ has forgiven you, you must forgive others. We forgive because Christ first forgave us. The Lord is expecting you and I. He told this most famous parable to, for us to say, where am I at in the picture? Some of you this morning, you need to come home. You're running from God or you're standing out in the field in protest. And God's saying, no, it's time. It's time to come to Jesus. No matter what type of sinner you are, you've been, in, you've been faithful and obedient to the Lord your whole life, but you have internal sins that no one else knows about, but you and Jesus. This, this father knows about it, and he came out and pleaded with the son to extend forgiveness. If God extends forgiveness, you could extend forgiveness. I'm telling you, we probably have a room full of older sons right now. Who do you need to forgive? You've been hurt. You've been disappointed. There were mean, hurtful things said. There's been wasteful spending. And you're not, you're not letting go. And God is looking at you saying, if I can forgive the younger son who just wasted everything, went to zero, went to nothing, if I can forgive and accept back the younger son, you are expected to as well. The sad point of this story is we never see that older son repent. He doesn't. You say, Pastor, who gets saved in the story? You know who got saved? The younger son got saved in the story. He came to his senses. He turned to the Lord. There's a warning about being an older son. If God forgives, if God forgets, if God lets go, you are expected to. Lord, I pray for the folks this morning. I pray for us, whether we are a younger son who's running, we're living a dreaming lifestyle, we're out there just living a lavish lifestyle, soon we will hit rock bottom. God, I pray we will come to our senses in a pig pen and turn to you. But Lord, I'm afraid many of us are like the older son. We've been faithful. I know I, I relate to the older son. Lord, it's a life of faithfulness. But Lord, if we're not careful, it becomes a life of unforgiveness. And we look and... We almost think of ourselves that we, we can decide who's able to receive God's grace and blessing. As if we're the bestower, and we're the one that can decide who gets a blessing from you and forgiveness. Lord, I pray this morning that there are some of us we need to come home. We need to repent of our sins. We need to come to our senses and we need to turn to you. Lord, don't let being a dreamer or being bitter Keep us out of heaven. Lord, I pray this morning, if there's anybody here that needs to, needs to walk the aisle and say, God, I'm yours. I'm coming home. I pray they do so this morning. Lord, we give you this invitation. I pray what you're doing here at Broadway. I pray for what happened 66 years ago at Zaxby's. Lord, you started a church that thousands of peoples over 66 years have heard the gospel and the Bible proclaimed. Lord, do a work like that. Continue that work today here in Lexington. 
We give you this invitation this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I, as always, I stand down front. We have our public invitation. David Dale is going to lead us in our song. Let's stand together. We're going to sing our songbook. Hymn number 249, Jesus paid it all. Let's stand together and sing. 249, your songbook. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength in Jesus Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Lord, now in thee thy my power and thy alone can change a leper's spot and melt a heart of stone. Jesus couple announcements real quick some things going on to keep you updated for uh, for that tonight we have uh, Sunday night church we're going through the uh, gospel of Luke we have teen kid for children so certainly invited to come to church this evening for that we'll be in Luke chapter 4 remember we have the men this coming uh, Friday night Saturday we have the Johnny Hunt men's conference time because all the men here need to consider if you come for an hour or two certainly come at six o'clock for the hamburger dinner certainly uh, uh, go ahead and have a great time with that. You just sign up online or just show up uh, for that. Also, uh, Rick Hawthorne is planning. We're having a Valentine's dinner. It's going to be uh, two weeks from tonight. It's going to be not on Valentine's Day, but it's going to be on Sunday evening, uh, February 11th at 6 o'clock. We're catering food from Columbia Steakhouse. It costs $10, so uh, they're actually coming themselves and serving it. So we have a quartet called the Overtones coming, and we're also having... Uh, it's $10 only for adults. The children are free. We're going to uh, bring pizza for them. So we'll have a little children's section that they can uh, certainly uh, eat, eat pizza. But uh, sign up online for that. Or call the church office. It's a great way to certainly uh, connect. It's exciting when everybody come to our Valentine uh, banquet. Anything else about that, Rick? About the banquet? Just we need to know. It helps us for our planning if you go on our website and, and sign up for that. So those are a couple of events. Uh, exciting times certainly here uh, at Broadway. David? All right, one other thing is tonight at 5 o'clock we have handbells. If you're interested in playing handbells, we have a really great group started with handbells. Even if you have no experience, you're welcome to come. Uh, Stephen Moscow is directing that. It's a great group to be a part of. Now let's sing our closing, Love is a Theme. Of the themes of my fault. Love is a theme. Here we go. Love is a theme. Love is. 